0: But if all you're hearing is mortgage rates are going up, which is a lot of what we see, then that's going to make you panic. But actually, for some people, they're not going to be impacted. So one of the things we really pride ourselves on doing is giving information, giving education, giving guidance, helping you understand what's going on so that you can make really informed choices for yourself and for your family and for your situation.
1: Hi, and welcome to Helping People Perform, the podcast that gives you fascinating insights into those people whose chosen vocation is to help others perform at their best. From consultants to teachers, sports coaches to financial advisors, all of my guests share a passion for getting the most out of individuals, teams, and organizations. Enjoy the episode. Hi everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of the Helping People Perform podcast, where I'm speaking to some amazingly interesting people about their stories and their take on who they help perform and how. Today, I'm joined by mortgage advisor and financial educator at The Mortgage Mum. Welcome to the show, Fumi Olafunwa. Hi, Paul. Thank you.
0: Thanks for having
1: me. Oh, thanks for coming on, for me. It's a pleasure to have you. So uh, um, we've got a load to talk about. We've just been talking about mortgage rates and all sorts of interesting stuff prior to the show. Um, <laughs> but um, could you just give us a little bit of background in terms of uh, what you've done to get you to where you are today?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, as you mentioned, I'm a mortgage advisor and financial educator, but I haven't always been. My first career was actually in law. So I trained as a lawyer, um, and back started in 2003 now, so a very, very long time ago, 20 years ago. Um, And I trained um, in a city firm in London, started off at a city firm called Simmons & Simmons. Um, I trained there for two years, and then I qualified into their commercial team. So I was doing sort of commercial contracts, right. being um, very large corporates. And I started to get quite interested in um, finance when I actually started, I got involved in a pro bono case um, where, and that means basically where um, law firms do legal advice for free. Right. Um, so I was involved in one of these cases and it involved a credit agreement. And I don't know why, but it just kind of took my interest. And then I wanted to try and start doing more of it within the firm, but unfortunately, there wasn't a huge um, demand for it at that particular firm. So I thought, well, if this is what I want to do and they don't have it here, I'm gonna go and see where else they have it. So I found a firm that did have a department that specialised in that and I applied to that firm and fortunately I'm successful. And that was a law firm called Adelshaw Goddard. And I was there for another five years. And I did a combination of working at the law firm, but I also was really lucky and fortunate enough to do a couple of clients' comments. So that's where you get sent to a client. So I've been sent to a couple, sent to a couple of the, the big banks and worked in their in-house legal teams. Oh, nice! And then I'm gonna be honest, I kind of got the taste for in-house life because generally the hours are slightly nicer. So I actually ended up leaving um, the law firm that I was at and going to work at the client that I'd been on the secondment to Stayed there for a few years. And then I actually um, thought that I don't want to do law anymore. So I had a little bit of a break and right. um, have a little bit of a think about what I wanted to do. Um, and whilst I was thinking about what I wanted to do, I started contracting. So I was working in various different um, organizations, sort of a year at a time. and And then actually realized, oh, I quite like the flexibility of contracting. Mm. I quite like the flexibility of knowing that you've got a project for a particular period of time. And then you can move on. Hmm. So I did that for, for the next sort of good good few years. Um and then I had a baby. So I had a, um, some time off with her. And then I actually then went back and started a permanent job because there was a really attractive opportunity. There was a company that was 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 gonna do all the things that I actually wanted to do was combining many of my sort of passions. Hmm. So it was. Um, education, which has always been really, really important to me. Yeah. Um, personal finance, and um basically helping people, trying to help people improve their personal finances. Um, and I thought, brilliant, this is exactly the organization for me. So I joined that organization and was there for just under a year, and I wasn't getting to do enough of what I wanted to do. Right. And so I thought, you know what, I've kind of been this thing within me that I want to do something I'm looking for all of these organizations to provide it for me but why don't I actually just provide it for myself so I took the leap I quit my job lots of people thought I was (laughs) (laughs) I was not thinking straight at that time and I decided to set up on my own so I set up a business called Poops Finance provides financial education and well-being to individuals and um and groups and corporates and as part of those discussions, what I kept on finding, and one area that people really struggled with when it came to their finances, was getting a mortgage. Right. They found the process really overwhelming, confusing. Didn't really know where to start. Didn't know how to save. Just had so many questions. Right. And then what didn't seem to be anywhere that they that they could go to to kind of get all of those answers. And I thought to myself, well, I can help you answer the questions thing I can't do, though, is help you with, you know, the actual mortgage application, which is obviously quite a significant part of of buying a property. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, well, why don't I qualify as a mortgage advisor? Then I can do both. So that's what I did.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's what I've been doing ever since. So I'm a mortgage advisor by day. But also what is also really important to me is that I, I provide that financial education to my clients and also people who aren't necessarily my clients yet as well.
1: Oh, wonderful. And one bit I'd love to pick up on a little bit there. You you talk about that passion for education. And you know, I noticed you you use the word, um, uh, certainly in your in in your websites and things about demystifying things for that for your clients. What is it that drives that passion for you? You know, why is education and financial education so important for you?
0: I think it's because our personal finances and the topic of money it's all around us, there's, you know, we can't live our lives without factoring in that money plays a huge part. Mm. You know, we have to pay our bills. Um, We have to, we have to work Mm. unless we're lucky enough to, 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 you know, be lottery winners, I guess. Um, We have to work. And I just found that people didn't necessarily think as much as maybe they could do about their money. They didn't think about the things that money could do for them and the ways in which they could use it. Right. And also because of um, because of the work that I've done within banks, I'd often work with, you know, right through the stages um, of different products and services. So right from the inception, you've got the product team, they come up with a great idea a new product and I yeah. worked with them at that end. But right the way through to, for example, if it's a credit type product, if somebody got into a bit of financial difficulty, they couldn't pay, they were in arrears, I'd be working with the teams that would be looking after those people. So the collections teams and the recoveries teams. And what I was seeing through that work is that there seemed to be a lot of people who just didn't really understand how the product that they had and were using worked. So it's not surprising them That in some instances, they got themselves into a bit of financial difficulty. So I'm not saying that financial education would mean that nobody is ever in arrears and nobody gets into a tricky situation because, you know, life happens, right? There's things, you know, things happen that mean that maybe we can't pay our bills, maybe we lose a source of income, maybe we're not able to work for a period of time. But what I do think is that knowledge but knowledge plus action is power. And I think that there's people that lack the knowledge or they lack the confidence to be able to take action. So that's kind of my little, um, I guess my formula, I like to use knowledge plus action um, equals power.
1: Wonderful. And do you find that your combination of the legal training and moving into finance, does that give you a, a different angle, a different perspective on things? That um, maybe your competition doesn't have, or, or, or others may not have, if they've purely been in the finance space. Um,
0: I think I think I'm used to reading long documents, right. <laughs> so that that probably helps. I think one thing though that is actually quite useful is that um, I think a lot of people think that lawyers should or do talking really long or unnecessarily long you know, they use unnecessarily long words they use you know language that's not easily understandable mm. and I have come across lawyers like that but actually what we're really encouraged to do as a lawyer is use really clear simple easy to understand language yeah and I think in an area like finance there is often quite a lot of financial or technical jargon That when you're used to working in an industry you kind of just assume that everybody knows and understands so you find yourself falling into using you know three letter acronyms that you and your team know and everyone in finance knows but anybody that's not in finance is thinking i don't know what you're talking about yeah but they also don't necessarily have the confidence to say i don't know what you're talking about because maybe they feel like they should Mm. so one of the things i think that actually working in law first has actually helped with is making sure that whenever I'm speaking to somebody, I am using really clear, easy to understand, simple English. And I'm really aware of the fact that I need to make sure that they can understand what I'm telling them. I was once told, if somebody can't understand something, it's not their fault, it means that you haven't explained it properly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, Um, and you know, I, I had that experience myself from uh, a career perspective. I had my career mainly in food manufacturing and, and uh, improvement work. And I took a role in a bank uh, when I was living in New Zealand, this was. And, and I went in there to help them bring a different perspective and, and, and look at performance, internal performance um, in business banking, which is essentially small scale in New Zealand. It's sort of mom and pop uh, businesses, but it's the biggest area you know, or certainly the biggest volume um, over in New Zealand in particular. Uh, so the majority of that was mortgages um, and and home loans as well as business loans and credit cards and things like that. Um, and I found myself going, right, I know, I think I know what a mortgage is. I've had one before. Uh, I think I know what this is. And still I was bamboozled by the whole thing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, a difficult world to understand and one that we don't seem to get educated in until we need to. Uh, and even then, we don't necessarily get educated in, do we? I don't. I've, my, speaking from my own experience, I remember home economics classes, which were cooking something or, or maybe doing a bit of sewing. And I'm sure there was one or two lessons on finance, but can't remember them at all. Um, you know, it, it, that financial education from an early stage and continuing on to when it's needed is uh, it's a real gap in our society, isn't it?
0: Oh, 100%. 100%. So, yeah it's, it's funny it's called home economics i saw somebody say recently it's called home economics but where's the economics <laughs> i didn't i didn't learn economics i learned things that i could potentially do at home yeah like cook or like you said so but there was no element of this is how you run a home from a financial perspective yeah. this is how you pay bills this is how you read your pay slip which is something that is so fundamental because we work and we get paid mm. but actually when when did anybody teach us how to read a payslip, teach us what a tax code is, hmm. teach us how to know what tax code we should be on, and what to do if we're not on it? Yeah, how to calculate tax, hmm. what pen you know why you should contribute to a pension, all of these things that are so fundamental to us and our day to day life and also our futures, and by and large we're not really taught. So you have to we're not really taught in a Sort of a formal education setting. Well, certainly I wasn't. It sounds like you no. weren't either. Same, yeah. And I think what then happens is we are relying on parents or, or primary caregivers to give that education to their children. Yeah. And you know, lots of people do. But again, I would always say, but if 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 they don't necessarily know, mm. then what are they passing on? Is it is it the right things? Um. But also, I mean, also I think it's really good for people to learn in groups as well. Yeah. So that's why I really like the concepts of classes or workshops, because I think if you can get people open to open up, you can start to understand different perspectives because everyone does have a different perspective when it comes to money Yeah. and you know, there's research that indicates that our sort of money habits and behaviors and beliefs are actually formed by the t- by the time we're seven. So not starting to be formed seven, by the time we're seven. So the first few years of our lives, what mm. we are seeing our caregivers say, do, behave around money, mm. that is so crucial because that then informs you know, our thinking, our beliefs and our behaviors. Now it doesn't mean that that can't change, Mm. but if we think about, you know, can you remember what you were thinking about when you were seven? (laughs) I I mean, it wouldn't, you know, it's it's all the unconscious stuff that you've taken in that you may not then realise is why you're doing certain things, why you're behaving a certain way Mm. with money. So I think just having those discussions, um, open discussions. Talking about things in groups and learning from different people and different people's perspectives. And that's why I think group doing this in groups or in schools is such a great way to do it. Hmm. And also it being taught by people who have the right skills and knowledge as well. Now I love teachers, I absolutely think they do the most amazing job. But again, I don't think that this is something that should just be given to somebody saying, Oh, you need to go and teach the kids about credit cards. Because actually if you're a teacher and you don't really know about credit cards and you haven't been trained about how to teach people about credit cards, that's not fair on you. And it's also not fair on your students. So I do think that this needs to be taken seriously and done properly. And there needs to be some investment in it. Now, financial education, interestingly enough, is on the secondary school national curriculum, right? but it's not, as far as I'm aware, it's not currently Ofsted inspected and it's not examined. So, right. if you think about a school that's got all of its competing priorities, are, is a school going to focus on something like this? That yeah, it's it's worthwhile and it be really valuable, but we're not going to be examined on it. The children aren't going to be examined on it. And when Oster comes around, that's not one of the key things they'll be looking for. Or am I going to focus on the things that I guess are, are more important in that sense? So, I absolutely am not blaming schools at all or teachers. I think. There just needs to be more focus on this. Um, There are groups that are trying to shine a light on this more. So for example, I'm a member of the um, Financial Education Forum and that's different financial services institutions and also organizations coming together, creating resources that then schools can use. There's something called My Money Week, which happens every year in June. So there are lots of people trying to kind of, I guess, improve financial education and literacy Mm within um within the country within the uk but it's not as widespread as i would like it to be and i would like it to be i would like it to be um mandatory in in all schools and not just um not just secondary schools as well because of the fact that those sort of beliefs and habits and behaviors can start to be formed at such a young age
1: yeah indeed couldn't agree more on that one, and uh, I know uh, I'll be going back to my nine-year-old, my five-year-old, and uh, and having some more conversations in that space off the back of this. So, <laughs> um, so maybe that takes us nicely into what you do now. So, tell us a bit more about the Mortgage Mum, what you do there, and uh, and any of the other great work that you do in the financial education space.
0: Yeah, so the Mortgage Mum is a brilliant, brilliant company founded by Sarah Tucker um, and um, Jamie Lewis, and um, we are a company of currently um, female mortgage advisors, or female mortgage advisors. Um, we are not um, exclusive. So if somebody is not female, um, and also they're not a mum, not everyone is a mum either, you know, welcome to apply to join. Yep. Um, but the, and Sarah just kind of coined the name, the mortgage mum, and it stuck, and it's a great name because everybody remembers it. Yep. And everyone always asks the question, oh, what well, you know, does that, it, is that, do you have to be a mum? Do you only have to be a woman? And it kind of, it starts the conversation, but we are very, very inclusive. So everybody is welcome to apply. Um, we all currently work um, virtually. So one of the, the main reasons why she set it up was because she wanted to still be able to work and have a family. She yep. wanted to be able to work flexibly. And the current um, structure in, in several corporates just didn't really... Allow for that in the way that worked for her. So yeah. she thought, well, you know, if it's not already there, then I'll build it. And she did. And we're now sort of 30 plus strong. Oh, nice. So we, we're all self employed mortgage advisors, yeah. but we sort of work, um, you know, as a team. Yeah. So we deal with all different types of clients, all different types of lending. So it could be a first time buyer, hmm. it could be somebody who is wanting to move home um it could be somebody who's you know on a on a mortgage deal that's coming to an end um we will we, you know it could be somebody with a buy to let property right. we'll help um anyone and everyone because we really really believe that mortgages are more than just about money and we think that we have the way in which we we deal with our clients we think is quite special and our clients really seem to appreciate it we're very flexible we're very accommodating and sometimes work out of hours to suit our clients, but also to suit us as well.
1: Yeah.
0: And we, you know, we do a lot of hand-holding and people do, you know, seem to really, really appreciate that. And we, we like to provide a balanced view. And this is something that I think is really, really important, actually. I think when you look at some of the things that are in the press, I think some of them can be quite, um, you know, there can be quite a lot of scary headlines. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it panics people. Mm. Um you know, particularly at the moment, right? So just before we came on, we were talking about mortgage rates. So yesterday, (laughs) Bank of England increased the base rates. Now, that will impact some people and it won't impact others. But if all you're hearing is mortgage rates are going up, which is a lot of what we see, then that's going to make you panic. But actually, for some people, they're not going to be impacted. So one of the things we really pride ourselves on doing is giving information, giving education, giving guidance, helping you understand what's going on so that you can make really informed choices for yourself and for your family and for your situation.
1: Wonderful. Yeah, I think that's the, uh, sometimes I liken it a little bit to estate agents or, or other services like that, where you don't need a service until one particular moment in your life, but it's really important. And I find myself with a lack of trust in those situations where it's like, is the person who's given me this service you know, really acting in my best interests? or are they just out there for a bit more commission? And, uh, you know, it's like, if you're telling me that um, as an estate agent, for instance, oh, the the asking price is going up, does that just mean you're saying that to get me to go up to give you a bit more commission? Or are you actually trying to help me with this purchase? And it's a a trust issue that's underlying in in those areas, isn't it? uh, um, That comes with honesty and openness and and conversation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think trust is so key. Hmm. And rightly or wrongly, trust in financial services generally, I don't think is as high as it as it would be nice if it was. Yeah. I think there've been various things that have happened in the past that maybe make people not really trust people who work in financial services and hmm. um, or think that people are working with their best interests at heart. So what we do is we really pride ourselves on developing relationships with our clients. We are on social media quite a lot because we feel that if people can sort of see us, yep. um, see us speaking, see us how we talk about things, see our views on things, then that starts to build that element of trust and build up a rapport. Mm-hmm. So actually by the time that they come to us and actually need to use us, maybe they feel like they know us a little bit. Yeah. Rather than if you don't, you know, you, you don't know anyone at all and then suddenly you rock up at the point when oh quick I need to get a mortgage. And then you contact a pretty sort of faceless organization Mm -hmm. and you get given someone to deal with. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, if you work in an organization that isn't on social media, there's something wrong with that, but it's just something that we feel is really important that we want to do. We want our clients to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. We want them to trust us. We want to have a really good rapport with them. And being active on social media is one of the ways in which we, we do that.
1: Yeah, and that human factor and that human connection in any service element is uh, is massive, isn't it? And that's, that's people are either going to buy from a trusted brand or a big corporation that they believe in that corporation, and they deal with the person who's there at the time. Mm-hmm. But if you're on the smaller end of the scale, even though you're saying there's you know, you've got a team of thirty odd, uh, you know, different advisors with the mortgage mum, you are you still quite a small scale, one-on-one sort of um, uh, service to people, then that trust and that relationship is, is absolutely key going forward, isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. understand.
1: Um, Wonderful, and so how do you help yourself perform? What are the things you do that keeps you as sharp as you can be, um, either on the professional side or you know? how do you learn and, and grow? What's your, your favourite ways to attack that?
0: So. I am 100% geek and proud. I love learning. Right. <laughs> I'm happy to say that to anyone. Yeah, I'm. I'm a bit like a magpie. Like a, something new, and I want to know about it. I just like to improve and know more. So I read a lot. Right. And um, I also try and read, when, particularly when it comes to newspapers. I do try and read a variety of different newspapers because I think if you just read a particular paper mm. all the time you don't necessarily get to hear the views of different types of people who might not read that particular paper. Yes. So I do think it's really important to try and have a really rounded um, really rounded experience. So I try and read different types of papers, different types of media. I listen to a lot, heck of a lot of podcasts. Yes. Um, I don't drive, so I do a lot of walking right. and so I've always got a podcast um, in my ear. And then I try and learn from other people. So people all around me who are either at the same level as me or maybe a few steps ahead. But also, you know, people that are younger, because I think that's really important that things are changing. You know, the way in which we've done things is not necessarily the way that we're going to keep doing things. And there's lots of new ways of doing things. There's new technology now. Look, I'm not a tech. I'm not a tech. I'm a geek, but I'm not a tech geek. Right. Um, so I'm often asked, "Oh, how does this work?" You know, hmm. um, but you know, just being aware of what's going on right. and being attuned to the fact that I don't necessarily know everything. No one really knows everything, and it's okay to ask if you, if you if you don't know everything. But yeah, I like to. That's how I sort of like to to learn. Keep keep learning, keep reading, and keep asking questions yeah. um, until you understand.
1: Oh, it's a bit, it sounds like you're a big consumer, <laughs> certainly of uh, of all sorts of different things. I think that element of different perspectives and consuming different perspectives is critical not only for your own sanity to avoid those uh, sort of echo chambers that you can find yourself in. Mm-hmm. But, but what I like about what you're saying there is your client base is potentially reading one or other, and probably only one or other of various different media or. or um, or newspapers or, or whatever that might be. So for you to understand what they're hearing and reading and seeing and feeling is uh, is, is only gonna help you in terms of the, you know, if it's one of the more, let's call call it more fear mongering uh, <laughs> media that, that are out there, then you, you can get a feel for what is it that they're hearing and are there any arguments that you've seen elsewhere to counteract that, to maybe help them understand a more rounded view, yeah?
0: Yeah, because I think think balance is really, really important. I think um, the financial services can often get a really bad rep. Hmm. Banks and lenders can get a really, really bad rep. And One thing I think has really helped me is that having worked in banks and in various lenders, I can understand why they've said or done certain things. It might be from a legal perspective. It might be from a regulatory perspective. But they might not come out and say, we are doing this because... Section Blah of the Consumer <laughs> Credit Act says we've got to do this, they'll just do it. And it might appear that action they've taken or thing they've not done might appear quite strange to somebody. And um, so I like to try and provide um balance. So if there's something that a lender has done um, and it seems a bit odd and people, you know, are not happy with it, you know, I can I can then offer some reasons as to why that might be. I think balance is really, really important. I think particularly when it comes to um, lending and borrowing money, I think that lenders have a responsibility when they lend, but also we as borrowers have a responsibility when we borrow. Mm. And sometimes I think that we don't necessarily sort of emphasize that point enough. So I like to provide balance and I like to find, you know, when I'm speaking to clients, if I don't think that they can something's affordable to them, I will say, like, I don't think that this is the right decision for you. Right. Maybe you need to wait. Maybe you need to think about a smaller property. Mm. Because my main aim is to make sure that I give you good advice and that you stay in your property. Yeah. So if you can't afford what you want, um, then that's not going to be a long-term good decision for you. So I'm all, I'm also quite honest. I like to think I deliver it in a kind way. <laughs> <laughs> I think. But, that, um, it, yeah, I think. I think. You, as, again, as financial services, we need to be honest with
1: people. Hmm. Yeah, I think the people when they build that trust and that human connection, they will know that the position of advice you're coming from is one of care for their long-term outcome, and that's that's wonderful. Um, maybe a couple of slightly different questions. Then, if you were able to help any individual, team, or organisation with the skill set that you've got? Who might you want that to be?
0: So, I, I come across quite a lot of, I think, women who are busy. Busy raising a family, busy working hard. And I think that sometimes, not all times, but sometimes making sure that they themselves are financially um aware and financially secure maybe comes a little bit down in the priority list because they're putting other people before them hmm. and so what i would love to do is make sure that and speak to basically all women obviously they're quite well so quite a lot of us <laughs> but <laughs> the kind of really kind of impress upon people the importance of, of of looking after yourself financially. Mm. We hear about all other types of self-care, you know, mm. meditate, journal, um, you know, have a nice long bath, whatever it is. Yeah. But I think taking care of yourself financially is actually one of the greatest forms of self-care mm. that you can do for yourself. And you'll help not only yourself, but if you have a family, you'll also help your family. So, you know, making sure that you are aware of if for example you your you have a family making sure that you're claiming all the things that you can claim if you're not working right um making sure that you're keeping an eye on um your pension contributions if you're moving companies you know you're mon- you know where they all are so that they don't get lost and yeah. um, encouraging people to have the conversation about maybe sharing parental leave you know, we have shared parental leave in this country. So, if you're in a let's say a heterosexual couple, mm. um, and, I, and I say that not because parental leave doesn't apply to other um, mm. couples, but just because historically, when you look at the research, if you're in, in a heterosexual couple, the majority of the care, particularly when the children are very very young, it will be the mother. That's what the stats say. Yep. But stepping out of the workforce for a little bit has an impact. Mm. Um, it has an impact from a from a pension pay, um, from a pension perspective because you're working less there's less time for you to contribute to your pension which is then compounded by gender pay gaps which exist yeah you know people are trying to close but they exist at this moment. So imagine if when you were working you were being paid less but then actually you're also work less because you've taken more time out to care, whether that's to care for children or for elderly relatives. So there are, um, there are, I guess, challenges or additional hurdles that you might have to jump through. So just making people really aware
1: hmm.
0: of those and helping them think of ways to to, to navigate that.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it's it is as you say, that financial stability. It doesn't have to be massive wealth or anything like that. But it's a financial stability and understanding of where you are, where you're heading to. Um, it can be such a driver if you haven't got that to other mental health issues, uh, relationship issues, all sorts of different other pieces outside of just the, the finances themselves, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. There are such huge links between um, mental health and money. So um, Martin Lewis has set up this um, organisation, it's called the Money and Mental Health Institute, and they regularly um, conduct research and, and um, publish research that shows the very clear links between the two.
1: Right. Yeah. Oh, and if we were to switch that on its head a little bit in terms of if you were able to sit down with somebody, um, have a cup of tea, have a drink, have a meal, and sit down and chat with them in order to learn from them and up your own game, who would you want that to be?
0: So there was a lady that I used to work with when I actually went on one of my succumbents in the bath And um, I sort of... How about, I am not going if I say stalk, but we're connected on LinkedIn and I look at her page regularly. <laughs> um, and she's just phenomenal. Mm. She has worked in so many different areas of the organisation. So she is a lawyer, um, but she has worked in product. She's worked in marketing. She's worked in ops. She's always sort of changing um, the areas. so obviously she's learning loads. And she's risen up the ranks, and she also has four children. now. I'm one of four um, and I actually have one child myself and I, I regularly question my mother on her decision to have four children because <laughs> having one, you know, having just one is quite tricky,
1: Yeah.
0: let alone four, then this woman has four and she's doing all the things that she's doing. So, yeah, I mean, no, I'm obviously, I'm pretty sure that there will be a lot of, you've got a lot of support systems and good networks in place, but... You know even with that, it's it's it can't be easy, and I'd love to kind of know how sit down and chat about how she does it and sort of what drives her to keep going because I can imagine she's probably quite tired, <laughs>
1: <laughs> indeed. Indeed, that's a it's quite a quite a relationship uh challenge, isn't it? Just in terms of making sure you've got enough time with with one, exactly, as you're yeah. saying, never <laughs> Wow, uh, oh, lo- lovely stuff. Um, so finally, who, um Who should be reaching out to you and how do they reach out to you and how do they find you?
0: Okay, so the question of who, if you are looking to buy property, I'd say at any point in the next couple of years, then I think it's always a good idea to speak to um, a mortgage advisor because they can give you an idea of the types of lending that might be available to you. So, you, you know, you, what you don't want is to think or, or not even know anything about um, the mortgage industry and then just rock up and think, hey, I'd like a mortgage for X. Yeah. And then at that point be told that, you know, that's not happening because, for example, your income isn't high enough for, for that to be a possibility for you. So I always say, let's let's prepare. So, so plan and prepare. And the best way to do that is to speak to somebody um, in advance. So anyone who's looking to get onto the property ladder for the first time, but also anybody who's thinking of, moving so they'll maybe get, be getting a new mortgage or they've actually got a mortgage at the moment and you know their mortgages they've got a fixed rate product for example that's coming up to an end um basically anybody who wants to either get a mortgage or has a mortgage and just you know maybe doesn't understand it because right. there are so many people that are like hey I've got a mortgage I don't really understand how it works I don't really know any you know any any of the stuff about it because often we do right that's the boring bit Nobody yeah. really wants to think about the mortgage. The exciting bit is getting the house.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So, but the mortgage bit is very, very important. Um. So you can outsource that to me. That's absolutely fine. I will do that. And um, but yeah, you need you need to get in touch, and particularly at the moment because I think over the past sort of six months or so, it has been quite a rocky time in our wider economy, mm. and mortgage rates are often being discussed in mainstream media. Um. And sometimes the, the headlines can be quite um, can be quite scary. I guess if you, if you know you're not involved in the industry, and you don't really understand what it means yeah. for you. So I would always say, yes, read the papers, read the news, you know, listen to the news, and try and understand. But actually, it's all going to be quite generic in the sense that nobody can say what that actually means for you personally. Right. So I would always encourage people to to speak to an advisor um, at that time. And if they want to contact me, then they absolutely can. Um, You can contact me. You can find me on Instagram. I am Fumi underscore The Mortgage Mum. Or you can send me an email. I am Fumi at uk.
1: Fantastic. And I'll make sure those links are in the show notes so that people can reach out. So, uh, I mean, an amazingly important and... uh, what some might not find interesting in the, in the first instance but once you start to peel it and understand what it means to you an amazingly uh, interesting field that can have such an impact on the rest of your life so really enjoyed chatting uh, for me and thanks so much for being on the show today
0: thank you very much for inviting me
1: thanks for listening to today's episode if you liked what you heard then please give the podcast a rate review and share i'm paul teasdale and from sausage making to banking Oil and gas to Formula One, I help people perform. If you'd like to find out more and have a conversation, contact me via helpingpeopleperform.com.